0: Butch Hartman is a well-known animator, artist, director, voice actor, and entrepreneur. He's best known for creating the classic Nickelodeon animated series, The Fairly Odd Parents, and Danny Phantom, along with several others. Butch,
1: thanks so much for coming on Takeaways. Hey Kirk, it's great to be here. Good to, by the way, good to see you again, by the way. I don't know if you remember why I'm saying that, but that's, that's great to see you again. I do. Bro, we, we are co-stars together from a, from a hit
0: TV show back in the 80s. I know everyone's going to remember the episode. It was an episode yes. in 1987. It was the third season, and it was where uh, Dewey High School had an election for student body president, and a scandal broke out when the class clown Mike Seaver won the election. It was called Michael Gate. <laughs> I remember what Mike was doing. You were playing a character named Robert Jordan. What was Robert Jordan up to back then?
1: Uh, well, yeah, number one, Robert Jordan had a mullet. So I had I had like the John Stamos mullet going on. Oh, everyone and, remembers uh, the John
0: Stamos <laughs> mullet.
1: Because we all, we all had the same mullet back in the 80s. We did, we did. No, but I, I ran against you for student body president. That was actually my first ever sitcom acting gig, and I was on Growing Pains, and I co-starred with you. At the time, I think I was like 23, and you were like 17, and you were a TV star, so we didn't really have much contact at the time, but we were on the same set, and it was such a blast. I'll never forget.
0: Oh, man, and it's so cool to see all that you're doing now and the, how God's taken your path in the entertainment industry. I'm an actor. I understand the the casting process. I've been through it so many times. And then if I'm trying to make a movie, I know, I know what the, the, the scripting and, and the casting process is like from a production standpoint. But you are an artist that's dreaming the cast up in your mind. I mean, as an animator, as an entrepreneur, you're creating not just characters, but, but worlds that your characters get to live in. What is that whole
1: process like? It's kind of interesting, you know, back when I worked with you, I was trying to be an actor like a, a live action actor, but at the same time, I'd come to California originally to be an animator for Walt Disney Studios. That's why I'm from Michigan originally, wanted to work for Disney, and um, I was actually pursuing my career as an animator at the same time I was doing the acting thing. I've since left the acting behind, but you're right. I mean, um, I just, I started working as an artist in the animation industry in Hollywood, in like around 1986. And um, What you do, like you said, um, if you work for a studio and you're working on a show called, like, let's say it's My Little Pony. That was my first job ever in the animation industry. Uh, You know, here, we need need you to draw this pony with a wreath around its neck and a roller skate on its feet, right? So you have to do that. Oh, now they're gonna go into a castle with pinball machines, you have to draw that. So if you can draw that and they can use you, then you're hired. So you're really, instead of building a set with hammer and nails, you're drawing your sets, you're drawing your actors, and you have to really make a show come to life through art, it's really fun.
0: Man, that is that is just so cool. And, and so many of us have tried to doodle and sketch, sometimes we're sitting in church or, or uh, when we should be doing our homework, we're like, you know, I don't know, playing tic-tac-toe or doodling little things just to pass the time. But but God's given you a talent to be able to do that and actually make a living doing it. And not only make a living, but enhance other people's lives with the characters and worlds that you've been building, like uh, Danny Phantom and uh, Fairly Odd Parents and and all of this. That is just so cool.
1: I um always loved creating stuff as a kid. You know, I grew up in Michigan where um, I, I watched TV. I'd be freezing in the snow at Michigan and saying, how do I get to California where it's warm? Yeah, I'd see all right. these TV shows. Yeah, right. And um, I ended up going to a school called CalArts, which is in Valencia, California. And they taught animation. This is back in the 80s. And so I basically just wanted to... Uh, learn how to be an animator, so I came out here. And at first, I started working for other people. That's such what you do when you come into the industry, you work for other people. But then opportunities started coming up where I could um, make a um, uh, a cartoon on my own, you could pitch your own show. Yep. So I actually pitched the Fairly Oddparents to Nickelodeon and end ended up, uh, they bought one cartoon from me in 1997. And that one cartoon, cartoon turned into a series that lasted 18 years.
0: That is so cool. And, and we can see all the cartoon characters behind you,
1: on the wall, behind you. But when you were a kid, what were the cartoons that inspired you? Oh man, I used to love, I used to love Bugs Bunny. Number one was my big fave, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. You're despicable, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love the Flintstones. I loved Scooby-Doo. I loved uh, the Jetsons. I loved uh, the Super Friends. I loved just all the stuff on Hanna-Barbera. Because back when we were kids, Saturday morning was the only place to get cartoons. You really, yeah. you know, you'd watch them on Saturday morning. Maybe a little bit after school, you could watch them, but that was pretty much it. It wasn't like you have a screen in your hand every five minutes like we do now. And so I would watch cartoons, and you couldn't freeze the TV image back then either. So I'd have my sketch pad in front of me, and I would practice the characters as quickly as I could because Fred Flintstone would be there, then he'd be gone. You know, he'd the Barney gone. Rubble would be there or whatever. So I'd practice as fast as I could, and I learned how to draw by watching television. So so television is an extremely powerful medium.
0: It is. I remember Felix the Cat. You probably don't even remember Felix the Cat, but but I remember the Justice League, and cartoons were the best. Saturday morning cartoons were the absolute best. Butch, I heard that, that once in kindergarten, you drew a picture of your kindergarten teacher. And rather than getting you in trouble, like it probably would if we had done that, any of us, it actually impressed her. She thought it was pretty good and it led to some amazing things. What was her reaction when she saw the picture you drew?
1: You know, that even shows you the power that a teacher can have. Because when I was a kid in in kindergarten, I'm six years old, the assignment was to draw a picture of the teacher. So everybody drew a picture of the teacher and I wasn't even thinking about it, I just drew it. And she started raving about the picture. And she hung it up on the wall. She was making a big deal. And she went out of the classroom and got other teachers to come in and see the picture. And all the other kids, of course, are going, why am I not getting all this attention? So anyway, I realized that as a kid, I could get attention from adults if I would draw. So I started really forcing myself to draw so I could get attention. And then uh, I really started liking it. I learned new things, how to draw eyes, how to draw fingers, how to draw hands, how to draw cars, how to draw buildings, all that sort of thing. And so I wanted to be a comic book artist. I wanted to work for Marvel Comics for the longest time. You can see some, I I have some comic books back here on my wall. Uh, But I, I really started gravitating toward animation and Disney type of stuff. And to this day, I've never worked for Disney. I've worked everywhere but Disney. I spent the majority of my career at Nickelodeon where I created four shows for them. So I really learned about storytelling. And about, you know, because everything we do, whether it's a cartoon or a movie or a TV show, you're telling a story. Yeah. You know, and that's you know, the great thing about Jesus. That's how he dragged, how he grabbed people and really got their attention. He would tell them stories he'd tell them parables. And so that's what we do each and every day, even though we don't realize it sometimes. In
0: 1997, uh, you gave birth to the Fairly Odd Parents uh, <laughs> for Nickelodeon. Uh, what, what was your inspiration for that show? And what was it like to, to have a major network pick up your idea?
1: You know, people ask me what my inspiration was, and my inspiration was I needed a job. That was my inspiration sure, to start with. Sure. Uh, i have been working on the Johnny Bravo show. Hey, baby, what's up? hey uh, Johnny Bravo. I was working <laughs> on that show, and that show was ending. And a friend of mine was over at Nickelodeon. He was a producer, and he said, hey, I've got this uh, chance to get some shows going over here. Do you have any ideas? I said, I've got a great idea. I said, I'll see you Friday. Hung up the phone. I had nothing. And so I, <laughs> I sat down and I, could, I come up with a show now. I'm so tired of working for other people and being let go and being fired, you know, because at the end of every show, you kind of lose your job. So I thought I'm going to come up with this show. I drew a little boy named Timmy Turner. I drew a little fairy godmother next to him named Wanda because I thought a boy version of Cinderella would be cool. This kid could have magic powers. That'd be fun. But I'd never seen a fairy godfather before. So I drew a fairy godfather named Cosmo. And so I put Cosmo and Wanda next to Timmy Turner. I went, that's pretty funny. They could be his fairy godparents. They could live in his room. They could turn into fish when the parents come in, because kids love to have secrets. So I actually drew this whole thing up in about 15 minutes. I drew a real quick drawing. And then I pitched it to Hanna-Barbera. And uh, it was Cartoon Network at the time. They turned it down. And then I actually went over to Nickelodeon, pitched it to my friend, and he loved it. And we made one cartoon, and they liked that one so much they gave me another one to do. Ended up making about 10 short cartoons, and then they focus tested them. And if you don't know what a focus test is out there, uh, it's one of the most terrifying days of your life where they put your cartoon on in front of a bunch of kids, and they take their (laughs) reactions down, see if they like it. And fortunately, the kids liked it, and they bought it as a series. In 2001, it premiered, and it ran for 18 years. And I was able to make other cartoons based on the success of that one. It was really a blessing.
0: That is such a cool story. You know, something else we have in common, Butch, is that we began our relationship with God while working in Hollywood.
1: What's interesting is I sort of knew I needed a savior my whole life, but I didn't know how to go about finding him. And I, to be honest with you, unless you're looking for him, it's very hard to find him. You know, the Bible says that you know wide is the path to destruction; and everybody goes that way. But narrow is the path to salvation. There are few who find it. You really got to chop the weeds and look for that path. Sometimes, in my case, anyway. But I was um, actually working at Nickelodeon when I went to church one day in 1999. My wife and I went to a church called Crenshaw Christian Center in in uh, downtown, actually in South Central LA, hmm. predominantly African American church. We went there. And to see a friend of ours get an award. And I went in and I was, I had no plans on staying. I'm like, I'll go down there. We'll see this guy get the award and I'll leave. And I left that church that day and something inside me said, you've got to go back. And I went, oh man, I got to go back. Uh, What does that mean? I got to go back. So I was 34 years old this time. And I'm like, I'll just go back. And I started going back to this church. And the pastor, Pastor Frederick Casey Price was the one who really, really got me in the heart because he actually was the first pastor I'd watched that said, open the Bible, follow along with me. I didn't even have a Bible when I walked in. They gave me a Bible at the church that day. So he would just, he really simplified the Bible for me. And I'm like, this is just letters to people to explain who Jesus is. You know, that's how I looked at it. And I got saved at that church. And once Mm -hmm. I got saved, the spiritual blinders came off my eyes. The scales came off my eyes. They fell away. And the Holy Spirit was able to illuminate the Bible to me. And I started seeing how exciting it was. Like I could approach the Lord. I could approach Jesus and ask him for things, like not just financial things or material things, but I could ask him questions about life. I could, the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace, like a little kid, you know, like a little kid has no problem coming up to their dad, asking for something. And I realized that I could do that too. And I got really excited about it. I was at Nickelodeon making Fairly Parents while I was realizing this. And I couldn't put any of those thoughts or ideas in my show because it was a secular show. But I could put maybe the idea of Jesus in my show, like family, love, happiness, those kind of things. I could put in, couldn't put scripture in. But I started making really just positive stories and really trying to tell uh, you know people that life can be amazing and and making people laugh. That's what I really wanted to do. I really think people need to understand that Jesus was a joyful God. You know, uh, he says, you know, let not your heart be troubled, and that's what I want to do is make people's heart not be troubled. That's so. That's, that's kind of how tough. I found the Lord.
0: Butch, talk a little bit about how your faith began to impact your work. You were sneaking concepts of love and family into these cartoons, which seems like a natural thing to do. But were you able eventually to start being more
1: overt in your Christian values? Well, I, you know, I was funny. I, I wasn't overt on the show because you know, the basic thing with my shows was to make kids laugh and have a great time. And, 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 uh, you know, really honestly keep the show going and keep people employed. We want to get good ratings yeah. and wasn't necessarily sneaking things in, but it, what it was, was, uh, just going, look, you know, we're not going to tell stories like this. A lot of times in Hollywood, they want you to tell darker, more edgy, more adult sort of things. And I'm not saying we didn't have, you know, moments where we did some things that were, you know, kind of adult humor and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, I was really overt uh, behind the scenes at, at, in the office. I would pray. If we had a party, I would thank God before the party. If we had yeah. a cool, if we got picked up for another oh, that, season, I would thank God before I thanked everybody that's else. That's when you, you know, really started like making
0: that. them nervous. When you're praying yeah, like, that God <laughs> would, would, would bless them and protect them and their children,
1: that's when they really start to sweat. It's amazing. But when people, it's, listen, when people don't know Uh, sometimes when they've lived and listen, I was this way, I'm talking about myself when you live in, um, and I'll just use the word darkness, even though it's not super dark sometimes, but when you live in the world all the time. You and, and then suddenly the concept of a God that you have to be accountable to freaks people out. It's like I thought I was my own God all this time. I thought yeah. I was just accountable to me. But you know, I'm accountable to the studio, I'm accountable to these people paying the bills, I'm accountable to the ratings, I'm accountable to the audience. But what about this God that I can't see? I mean, what does that mean? You know, and people it freaks people out when you when you believe in something you can't see. But there's all kinds of things people believe in that they can't see that doesn't bother them. You know they'll they'll believe they're going to get their paycheck every week. That's an act of faith every single week. Company's not going to go broke. I'll get my paycheck every week. You know people believe in that sort of thing. Yeah. You know we just have to extrapolate it out to there's a creator of the universe that wants to be your friend. And I I just encourage people to get to know more about him.
0: Butch, before the break, we talked about Hollywood. We talked about your faith. We talked about uh, Christian values making their way into some of your shows and you praying behind the scenes. But then you had the the opportunity to really like. Put your foot on the gas pedal and go all in with faith-driven projects. Uh, Talk to us about the garden. And, and what that shift toward these types of projects was like for you.
1: Well, I worked at Nickelodeon for 20 years. I started there in 1997 and I left in 2018. I didn't leave because I was mad or angry. I didn't leave because we had a bad relationship. I had the greatest time at Nickelodeon. They're a wonderful organization. We had. I, I was so blessed, got to make so many things there. But after a while, after 20 years at a place, I really started feeling that the Lord was leading me out to go do something else. And. You know, it's almost like Abraham saying, Abraham, get out of your father's house and go into a land which I will show you. And I was like, wow, there's something else I have to do. But when when we have to step into the unknown sometimes, it's a little scary because it's the unknown. We don't know what it is, right? Nobody wants to leave the comfort zone because the comfort zone is comfortable. That's right. So I left left Nickelodeon and I was like, Lord, what am I going to do now? And I had this cartoon idea back in 2005 called The Garden. This is it right here. It's about a little lion named Lenny, and a little lamb named Lucy that live in a magic garden where anything can grow. I, You know, can, you can plant a pizza bush. You can plant a donut tree. You can plant an idea and it will grow. <laughs> and every day... God comes down as a rainbow. They call him the boss. Hey, boss, because they work for him. So God comes down as a rainbow and he talks to them and gives them a task every day. And um, it's through an original uh, song or a scripture they learn how to do the task better. It's for kids three to eight. Had this idea, but I knew I couldn't sell it anywhere because it was a Christian show. And back then, there's no way I could have sold it. I was working at Nickelodeon. But after I got out of Nickelodeon 2018, the Lord said, remember that show. My wife and I had actually funded... Uh, seven episodes of it on our own during the years. We had seven episodes done. And uh, we we were actually um, meeting with a group of uh, of highly motivated people that wanted to make some Christian you know content. And they said, what do you got? And um, I said, well, I got this cartoon. And I showed them the episodes we had. And they were like, we would love for you to make that. And they started supporting me. I said, really? You guys want to make it? They're like, oh, no, let's make a ton of them. So right now what we're doing, we're making 40 episodes, 4-0. Uh, the episodes are now out on Pure Flix, and You can see them on Yippee TV, see them on Christian Cinema. You can also see them on our brand-new Garden app, Garden Cartoon app. It is on um, the App Store and on um, Google Play. You can see it there. The app has all the episodes you can't see on the streaming services. We have uh, Bible teaching. We have games. Uh, And we really want kids to get to know Lenny and Lucy. And every episode has an original song like Schoolhouse Rock. You know, I want kids to learn scripture in a catchy way. And every song is extremely catchy and fun. You know, if you want to be my first mate, go read Luke 6, 38. It's all about giving and that's pretty great, you know. So we have these great songs. And so we want the garden to be basically following in the footsteps of Veggie Tales. We really do. We want people to check it out.
0: That is so cool. And, and I'm so glad you're incorporating music into that because I, I remember not only showing my kids veggie Tales, but also um, having them listen to Seeds Family Worship. And, and there were these songs that put scripture to these melodies and they memorized so much of the Bible just by listening to the songs. And that's what you're doing with the garden uh, for a whole new generation. But isn't it interesting today that... There are those with, with a diametrically opposed value system to the values in the Bible, to Christianity, that are totally overt in all of the animated movies that you see in the movie theaters and the live-action superhero movies that you see. I mean, there is no question that there is a worldview agenda that is being pushed and shoved and forced mm-hmm. on the audience. So <clears throat> I, I think that, uh, in, in, in a sense... The family of faith is actually being taught by those who don't even know and love God that having a worldview come through in your story is inescapable and that the right strategy is not to try to pretend like there isn't a set of values you're trying to advance. It's just to determine what is the right set of uh, values to advance and then advance them in the most appealing way. And uh, I'm so glad that you're doing that through the garden and that I hope that many, many Christians will follow in your footsteps.
1: Well, thank you. And like you were saying, you know, look, my job is to make something that's entertaining that I feel in my heart is enhancing a child's life. That's what I'm doing. Now, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but this is what I've felt led to do. Yeah. Everybody out there with the opportunity to make something has a choice to make. I can make something that does a, or I can make something that does B, whatever it is. My job as what, I, what I'm what i being led to do through my prayer life is do this. This is what I want to do. And you have the option to watch it or not. This isn't something that's being forced on anybody. You know, we're here to make an, an awesome entertainment show that hopefully, if you're a mom homeschool mom, a homeschool dad, and you want your kid to see something really awesome and fun and learn the Bible? Because like I told you before, I didn't know about the Bible when I was a kid. I grew up in a godless home. Not that my parents were mean or bad. They just didn't know about God. Couldn't teach me anything. What if there was a cartoon out there for a kid like me watching a show? And not only was it fun and entertaining, but oh my gosh, it taught me a cool little scripture. And the song is in my head. So later on in life, I remember, you know, a friend sticks closer than a brother. You're like no other. You know, uh, you know, I, I remember Jesus, our Lord in Proverbs eighteen twenty four. you know, that sort of thing. If there's a way to get that into a child's head and their heart now, why don't we give it a try? And again, not trying to push or shove anything, just trying to make this and offer it as an option. I look at it like this. The entertainment world is a refrigerator and it's full of junk food. And I'm trying to be the apple <laughs> I want to be an apple <laughs> or a celery stick. In the refrigerator, you know, there's a little healthy option in there. Maybe you could pick that once in a while. That's, I need to do that it. myself. I always pick the junk food and the, and the fridge, but I need to pick the, the healthy option. I love that.
0: Butch, let, let me ask you, how does your faith in God impact your creative process? Is it different now? Do you feel like you get to work with a new set of tools because now you have a platform to
1: put the garden out there? Yeah, very good question. You know, right now it's interesting because... This whole project is funded independently. Let's face it: as creators of entertainment, we always need funding to do things. And so, this is now independent. So it, there's really no one to answer to but Him, <laughs> but the Lord, right? So, well, before we sit down to write a story, I pray about it. My writers and I, we pray about it. They're all you know, they're all Christian people. We we pray, and they're talented too. I mean, I hire talented people that are are also Christians. I don't want to hire just Christians if they're not talented, bless their hearts, but you got to be talented. So we hire great writers. And we'll say, what can we tell a story about today? What is, you know? What is Lenny's issue today? Lenny's more of the impetuous one, and Lucy's more of the, uh, the stable minded one. You know, what is what is their issue today? Well, let's see. Um, Let's see. Here's one where, um, okay, there's a beehive and the queen's going away for a vacation. So Lenny gets to, or Lucy gets to be the queen bee for a day. So the boss shrinks them down into bee size. They go into the beehive. Now they're both bees and Lucy becomes the queen, but Lenny becomes the court jester. So she's now rising up and he's being lowered down, you know? And so at first they're still friends. I'm the queen. I'll never forget you. But as the, as the story goes by, Lucy starts getting ahead, like like start, starts exalting herself a little bit and becoming kind of cocky. But then when the real queen comes back, she kicks Lucy out of the throne, and then Lucy has to apologize. I'm sorry I forgot you. I, I, I got all cocky. I got caught up. And we learn the Bible story where you never take the high place at the king's table, lest the king come back and take you out and, and, and embarrass you. But you take the low place so the king can ex- can exalt you, meaning don't exalt yourself. So there's a great way to tell the story right there, you know?
0: Butch, you, you are so creative. God has given you this gift and equipped you to, to, to be a Butch Hartman right here uh, <laughs> on TV for our families right now. That is such a cool life Amen. that you get, you get to live. Um, some people are wondering though, is Butch ever gonna make something for adults? You know, we, we, we could use this kind of creative, fun way of learning truths about God. Do you feel called to the, to the
1: children's space? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I my wheelhouse is kids entertainment. But, um, you know, I want to do stuff. You know, I have some other shows I'm working on now that aren't so. Th- this is an overtly Christian show. It's fun, scripture, Jesus story is the whole thing. But if we're doing some other uh, uh, projects as well that uh, mention God, but aren't as overtly, you know, talking about scripture and things. But everything I'm ever going to do is always going to be about uplifting people, uh, as much as I can, you know, we're going to try and make people feel good at the end of each episode. That's our job because I want people to watch these shows over and over again. And I want them to show them to their kids too. Uh, you know what I get all the time. I've got general, I've got a generation of kids that have grown up with my shows, fairly odd parents, Danny Phantom, my other Nickelodeon shows. And when I go to comic conventions and things like that, they'll say, Mr. Hartman, you made my childhood. Thank you so much. Thank you. I get this quote all the time. He made my childhood. So when a child comes up to me in 20 years and says, because of this show, I found out who Jesus was, thank you. That's gonna, that's, that's all I'm doing it for. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that you are focusing on kids because everyone
0: who really wants to build future worlds here on earth, I'm not talking about animated world, but real worlds, knows that you have to tell the stories to the children. You have to be the ones that shape those little hearts and minds when they're young. Because as you train up a child, in the way that they go, that tends to be the way they stay
1: when they grow old. You know, um, if we don't influence children, other people will. And right. That's that's all we have to say about that, really. And you know what? Like I said, everything that we create right now, we have the option to um, uh, do it in a great way or do it in a way where maybe, you know, we hit, we're we're trying to do something not so great. I don't know. But I... My job right now is just to give, give the world something great that tells people about Jesus. That's all my job is right now. That's the assignment I've been given. And so I really pray that uh, you know people come to the garden, I hope they check it out, and I hope that kids get, a, get a, a blast out of watching it and they learn all this scripture that we put in there. I think it's really fun. Butch, we know that
0: the garden is available on streaming platforms like Yippee. And if kids are just new to the garden, What are some must-see episodes that they could jump in and begin with?
1: Oh, great, great question. We got one called Where Your Treasure Is, where Lenny and Lucy meet a pirate captain who's an alligator named Captain Snappy, who wants to find this treasure, letting Lucy help him, but then he wants all the treasure to keep for himself. But they're like, we need to start giving this treasure. You know, we helped you. Um, let's share it with everybody. And then they teach him about giving. They go into Luke six thirty eight. Another great one is called Finding Joy, where we have a, a TV uh, news anchor woman uh, named Joy the Jaguar. She's at the center of a maze. It's Amazement Day. It's it's the Garden Amazement Day. She's at the center of a maze, and they have to find joy through the maze. So it's all about finding joy, and then we. Talk about um, uh, the book of James. It says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And we have a great song called Finding Joy. One is called, another episode called Cloud Nine, where Lenny, who's a lion, wants to learn how to fly. And he tries everything to fly and realizes that finally at the end, he's not supposed to fly. He's supposed to be exactly who he is, not something that he's not.
0: Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please. Follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.